Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm Lance. I'm Tim. Today we're going to be talking about what we've been watching. We're going to do a little bit of film news, and then finally we're going to discuss David Duchovny's Hell or High Water, <laughs> and then we're going to talk about David McKenzie's Hell or High Water. But before we get to all that feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com, where you can write to us, let us know what you think of the show and the things that we talk about, that we talk about. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and all that good stuff under Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. And MidwestFilmNerds.com has all previous 194 plus bonus episodes with full show notes. So you can skip over the spoiler, Terry, and other things that you don't want to hear. Right. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. New uh, Game Nerds coming out on Monday. Uh, We're talking about the big Sony news that's going to drop after you listen to this podcast probably sometime tomorrow on Wednesday, September 7th. Oh, wait. Uh, new, new PlayStation. Oh, new PlayStation. Upgraded PlayStation. Oh, okay. So, likely. Anyway. Okay. Check out the Midwest Game Nerds podcast at MidwestGameNerds.com for all of that stuff. But, what we've been watching. Uh, Nick, you haven't been watching much. No, I started The Kings of Summer. Ah. Because it is now on Amazon Prime. Yes. I don't update you on Netflix anymore because I assume everybody has it now, so I do Amazon Prime. You don't have uh, to advertise it to people. Correct. Yeah, they've been... They've been Are you getting Amazon money that we don't know? <laughs> I'm no, just kidding. No. <laughs> I wish. Uh, I should. They've but, got uh, good stuff, and also I like that you can download things onto yeah, your iPad that's in, to that's, watch. That's invaluable. Like, I usually download a couple things to my iPad when I'm flying, and yep. I can kind of pick and choose. And I, I actually, I get a lot of things watched that way that I wouldn't normally watch, like when I talked about Slow West and mm-hmm. uh, some other stuff that I've already forgotten. And uh, so I started it. I got... I didn't get that far into it though. I got like twenty, twenty-five minutes in. Was it like a you weren't enjoying it, or no? I I just I couldn't pay attention. I was okay. doing it while I was working around my house, and so I couldn't. I wasn't really giving the attention that I felt I really wanted to give it. Like I was, I was for the most part, I was watching, but I would find that I had looked away for like thirty seconds, and even in rewind that, it again, even in the yeah, yeah, exactly, it just wasn't very productive. So I didn't get very far. I probably <laughs> had been watching for like forty minutes, but I only got like twenty minutes into the movie. Uh, but I, I like I like it so far. It's really, there's a lot of, I don't want to say action, but there's a lot of visual stuff that's really striking that I didn't anticipate yeah. being so cool. There's lots of s- slow motion stuff that happens early on, mm-hmm. just weird things. And, and I was like, oh, this is more interesting to look at than I thought it would be. So I'm excited to finish it. Yeah. Um, that's, what's his name? The director's from here. Jordan. Jordan Vogt Vogt Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. yeah. He's from here. And he's done a lot of other smaller things um, as well. He's directed... A few episodes of Year of the Worst, which I talked about a couple weeks ago, or like a, a couple months ago, actually, and stuff like that. But he's pretty cool. And he's also the man, I think, who's in line for a Metal Gear Solid yeah, movie at the moment. I think moment, he's still attached to it. That's, that, that's part, gonna get that's honestly part of the reason I started watching it. Because <laughs> I saw they added it, and I was like, oh, I have wanted to see this, because you guys all spoke so favorably about it. Yeah. But then I thought, yeah, if they ever get around to that MGS movie, gotta see how this kid's gonna do. Yeah. Gotta talk to this kid. Well, cool. Awesome. Uh, yep. Anything else? Mm, I've been rewatching The Office. Yeah, it's like the nightly thing my girlfriend and I watch, and 
it's amazing how I've seen the whole series multiple times, but there are episodes that are brand new to me when I watch it because I've either passed out during them or my mind has just erased them. It's yeah. really, it's really strange. Like we watched an episode yesterday from like season, I don't know, like five or six, somewhere right in the middle of those series. And I was like, I, I have never seen this before, but I know I've seen it. Like Netflix <laughs> tells me I've watched it in the past, but, and it was, it was really funny. And in the way that works, but the office is such a weird, I have the strangest relationship with the office where I really, really, really love it at times. And sometimes I can't stand it. <laughs> and, and I always, always think it went on way too long. They, they should have got out while the getting was good, but I guess they were all getting paid. So yeah, why stop? The they were getting train. paid and people were still watching. I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it's like at know. least nine years, right? I think it was nine seasons. Yeah. And it should have stopped at like seven, probably. Like it's okay. It's all, it's kind of like Seinfeld, but not as good as Seinfeld. But after Larry David left Seinfeld and it kept going, there's a, there's a, there's definitely a tonal shift. Like mm-hmm. it, not, I shouldn't say a tonal shift, but it just, it changes and it's still good, but it's not as good as it was. But even Seinfeld in its, in its two later years is still better than the office's uh, later seasons. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's okay. Did you make it all the way through before? Or did you stop at some point? The, of the office yeah. i've seen it all okay yeah i think and that's the thing is there's glimmers of really of greatness in those later seasons but yeah. the last season in particular is so bad like it's super bad the finale is good but a lot of they, they just they've run out of natural progression i think or or maybe i think they just they, it's so hard to put into words they they try the characters stop becoming TV characters and they try to make them more like real people I think and they start saddling them with weird problems that you don't want to watch and so you start to see these people going through things that just aren't you're like this isn't comedy anymore like you're turning this into a dramedy and it's just not it's not not fun to watch yeah anyway avoiding right. spoilers for the office yeah <laughs> how many years is that ago when did that end. When did been like know, a couple five, years. Yeah, I'd say four or probably. five years probably. Yeah. Spader was on the last season, right? Spader's around for the last like two and a half or some yeah. for for yeah. most of it. And he's really good. He's pretty good. He's yeah. one of the only things that I, I, I'm always really looking forward to seeing. Him and then Kathy Bates when she's in there really yep. briefly. She's very good. Yeah, I stopped watching when he came out, but it wasn't because of him. It was because I didn't like the show anymore. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. He's he's the glimmer of, of yeah. good pure <laughs> goodness because he shakes the whole thing up. It's actually really fun. Mm-hmm. I've also been continually watching Frasier every day, and uh, that that's there's no bad stuff. In Actually, that's not true. <laughs> it, does, it does get bad, but then it it gets bad in like uh, I already forgot how many seasons Frasier is like eleven. I think in like season nine, like eight and a half and nine, it's not very good. But then it swing the pendulum swings back, and it's re- it's amazing. The last season is so 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 good. Mm. So it does it does have a redemptive stroke in there. I still recommend that episode of the podcast I was talking about where they interview Kelsey Grammer. It's such a fun Yeah, that was the EW? I don't remember which podcast it was, actually. It was the Civil War episode from a particular... Oh, it was Empire. Empire, Empire podcast. Okay. Yeah, it's hilarious. Awesome. It's, it's, such a, it's a really funny interview. It's really interesting. Very cool. All right, Lance, what have you been watching? Yeah, so three things of late. One I just got reminded of, Yoga Hosers. I saw the premiere. Oh, my God. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You saw Yoga Hosers? I did. <laughs> Tell me all about it. Okay, so. See, here's what you don't know, Lance, is that <laughs> we spent the whole last week toiling over what we were going to do, and it slowly shifted from three of us are going to see Yoga Hosers, and one of us is going to see Hell or High Water, to three of us are going to see Hell or High Water, and the other one isn't going to see anything. And so it kind of like, 
we had this struggle. So please bring bring us bring yeah. yoga, yoga hosers to us. So yoga hosers. So yeah. So it was a premiere party. So there's a Q and A beforehand, a taped Q and A of Kevin Smith. His daughter introduces him. And then he comes out and he talks for about 40 minutes. Yeah. And then the movie plays. And oh then, my God. Yeah. Where did this happen? <laughs> this happened. Uh, it was a, it was like a, it was, it was a phantom nationwide event. event. Yeah. One of those, one of those like, oh, we're going to show you Frank, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein production going on in Britain for one night only in a couple theaters across the nation. Mm-hmm. So where was this here? Uh, at the AMC Livonia. Yeah. Oh. And then also at the AMC Forum. It was playing there. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which yeah. I don't think either of are playing the full playing the movie. They're, I don't think no, they're doing runs of the movie. So well, Livonia's where we saw Hateful Eight, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I don't know. Anyway, yeah. keep going. So. Yeah. So uh, the, the so the Q and A was really funny because it was all about Tusk, <laughs> and uh, but not about Tusk the movie, about Tusk, the making of Tusk, or like how how it happens. Like like really funny story about how Kevin Smith wrote the screenplay and like this producer found him and. The producer like pretty much dared him to make Tusk, and he was like, "I was just, I just want to see if you could do it." You know, <laughs> he's like, "I'm going to give you this money. I want to see if you can do it." And how we got Johnny Depp involved, and what was the producer's verdict? The producer did he do it? Yeah. What do you mean? Did the producer think he succeeded in making the? the movie? He didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was not disclosed. So um, he didn't talk about the producer scorecard at the end of the experience. Nope, nope, not at all. But I think the same producer is part of. Uh, this is a planned trilogy, by the way. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah, that. Yeah, the, yeah, a true north trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're halfway through, right? Well, two thirds of the way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how true it is because I don't know if Canadians really like this. Some, some I've been in parts of Canada, like Vancouver, Toronto, but and they they kind of feel that way. But it's a very exaggerated version of Canadians. Um, the most Canadian part of Tusk that I remember is Harley Morenstein's like short role that he plays. Yeah, the guy from who used to make the, the Epic Mealtime Meal guy. Time. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's yeah. in he's in Yoga Hoses. Is he for a That's second? Good. That's good. Yeah. I really enjoyed his part in yeah. Tusk. But. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's just it's it's a movie made out of love for Kevin Smith's daughter and love for Johnny Depp's daughter. It's like let's just put him in a movie, and you know, it's a very kids movie. Like it almost feels like. Like it has music, like straight from Home Alone kind of movie, you know. Um, and but it, is it a movie? Is it a movie you would show your kids though? Like no, a, yeah, exactly. no, it's yeah. not. It's it's a, it's a movie for stoners and, and weirdo kids, <laughs> and uh, and it's not. It's 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 somewhat funny. And then there were parts of it. <laughs> I was like, and I love Kevin Smith. I li- I like his movies a lot. What a pull quote. Do you, for do you the still box. like him? Do you still like? Do you like his last couple? His I liked Red State. Okay. And um, Tusk, I didn't see. I okay. How you guys feel about Tusk? Oh, wow. You cut into the middle of the trilogy, man. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is this is the Tusk's biggest fan. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <not really. laughs> this is Gila Point's biggest fan. Oh, right Gila here. Point. So Johnny Depp is pretty good. And there's some stuff in there, I won't spoil it, but uh, that they, they toy with uh, Gila Point quite a bit. Good. Um, you should listen to, to the Tusk episode. These, yeah, these guys did. It's yeah, really, sure. really good. Nice. It's really good. So, that's the, that's the one where I think Willie says my 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 brain is on fire right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, listen to the oh shit. I can't. Um, uh, damn. There's an episode of the Canon where they talk about Tusk. I've been listening a little it, bit. Was of the it, clerks? it was the Clerks. Oh movie. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Listen to the Clerks episode because yeah. it's the best episode of the Canon. But oh, also yeah. listening to Devin Faraci just just. <laughs> yeah complain about tusk is oh, so yeah. funny He's well complainer. i think the more interesting part of that episode was listening to amy nicholson try to defend tusk <laughs> yeah was really they like disagree like that was i was mind blown a you little should bit watch at that tusk point. i yeah. should i definitely it, should yeah really get, get, get well, caught up you know? if you watch it if you watch it i'll watch it with you yeah i've never seen it and i wasn't gonna see it <laughs> uh-huh. and have I you seen w- red state no okay 
I'm come on. <laughs> I, I, I was just curious on where you jumped out. I uh, I haven't even seen Jersey Girl. I bailed no. out in the nineties. I think. Oh man. <laughs> At I think some, I think Jay and Bob Strike Back is my actual last Kevin Smith movie because mm-hmm. even Didn't at that point see, I was like, well, you like Zach oh and Clerks too? No, I I really like Clerks too. And Zach and Mary, right? Did he did he direct Zach and Mary? Yeah, yeah, Zach and Mary's okay. Okay, so I have seen that. I'm more yeah. up to date than I thought. Yeah, you've skipped over a few. Yeah, Zach and Mary's all right. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've always been told I would really like Chasing Amy, but I still haven't watched. Chasing it Amy's good. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's very good. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's got an amazing run. He's got like like five or six in a row that are all really good. Yeah, he just something happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what didn't happen? If <laughs> I, I can, at some point, I think uh, the. A few of us were going to sit down and watch Yoga Hosers when it hits VOD. Mm-hmm. You, sh- I think, you should. You I think should. in order to get something out of that experience, we'll have to sit down and talk about it. Yeah. So if Nick doesn't enjoy Tusk enough to go and see it, like, we'll, we'll all sit down and talk about Yoga my, Hosers. Yeah. My desire to see Tusk can only be described as morbid curiosity. It's <laughs> yeah. literally, it's not even excitement. It's yeah. morbid curiosity. So the one thing that's that's interesting, which kind of like, it's put in there for Kevin Smith to vindicate why he made this movie so... At the Q&A, one of his Q&As, uh, some girl went up to ask a question. He's like, hey, you know, I didn't know a nine-year-old girl was in the audience. I would have used less curse words. But hey, what did you think of the movie? Because I made this movie for you. <laughs> he's like, I made a movie for little girls. You know, pretty. that's what he's trying to say. He's like, not little girls, but, you know, like for girls to watch Younger, and look yeah. up to, you know, because like he sees like all these Iron Man movies and Captain America and like all these men that are heroes in movies. Why not have two girls that are heroes in a movie? So he did that. And then um, he said, what did you think of the movie to this little girl? And the little girl goes, I liked when the girls used sticks to beat up people. (laughs) (laughs) And so he was like, yeah, that's the best review I've ever gotten or something like that. So like he's trying to say like, I didn't make a bad movie here, you know? And like, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty unfunny. It's pretty, uh, (laughs) it's pretty like uh, just, very juvenile, doesn't make sense. Um, no point, <laughs> other other than a point to to say to the, all the critics out there. It's like, hey, I'm Kevin Smith. I can make whatever movie I want because it's going to make money on video anyway. And so, always a good choice. Yeah. So for him, for him to to, I don't know. I admire people <laughs> doing their own thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean I have to enjoy their stuff. Yeah. And I I kind of feel like. I like when filmmakers experiment. I like when they change up their style a little bit, you know. Um, but with Kevin Smith, it's kind of like he changed up his style, and then he's asking people to to still like it, like yeah, you know, yeah. I think, no matter what it is, yeah, just because I, he's Kevin Smith. I think someone doing their own thing is is great, but I think somebody doing their own thing and then expecting everybody to like it and then being angry when people don't like it, I don't really agree with. And I, I actually can't think of a director who does their own thing who doesn't have a weird attitude about it sometimes. No, I mean, absolutely. I think I think you get to a point, like, I think clearly Kevin Smith got to a point where he didn't need, necessarily need people to like his movies anymore. And when you get to that, you can allow your own sense of it. The, the studios don't have to tell you no anymore because you don't have to listen to the studio because you're really doing your own thing. And once you get to that point, then we get to see the true you, I think, is that's, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. But... I don't know. So is Yoga Hosers the true Kevin Smith? <laughs> that I don't know. Uh, it's. Um, I think the the true. I wouldn't want to put that on my grave my gravestone if I was Kevin Smith, <laughs> Kevin Smith director of Yoga Hosers. No, <laughs> definitely not. That won't be the headline in his obit. Nope. Oh well. 
All right, Tim. Wait, you had three things you were watching. Oh, I, did, I did, but I took up too much time. No, so well, well, at least I'll, at I'll least mention them. them. Okay. okay, so Finding Nemo, finally okay. saw it, and The Night of, two films in the crime genre. Okay. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> two, see, a TV show, actually, Night of is a TV show. Yeah. Did you see Finding Dory? I haven't seen that yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, I saw Finding Nemo with the kids. So well, I, you I, just I, saw Finding Nemo for the first time. For the first time. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not too big on animation, but um, my my mom and this kid want, and the kid that she babysits wanted to watch it, so it was fun. Awesome. I saw Finding Dory, and I don't think I've ever sat down and watched Finding Nemo, but I worked at an ABC warehouse, and <laughs> they would sell TVs using Finding Nemo on the DVD player, <laughs> so I think I've watched it like a million times mm-hmm. in all sorts of different orders. Yep. Okay. Um, I didn't see Yoga Hoser. <laughs> Pretty bummed about. But I have been watch, still watching all the Juwan Grudge movies. <laughs> oh, nice. The Juwan the Curse, Juwan the Grudge. I watched Juwan Black Ghost, White Ghost this weekend. It's two. It's from 2011. It is two hour-long movies that they released like at the same time in Japan because the Juwan release schedules over there are crazy. But <laughs> either way, it didn't make a lot of sense. It was kind of creepy at times. But um, none of them really make that much sense. But I found a new um, horror icon that I'm really excited about. It is uh, Grandma Basketball Lady, and she <laughs> she is this woman. She is... She's a grandma in the curse house, uh, the Juwan house, and she really doesn't do much except for there are two noises in the Grudge series. There is a meowing cat, which happens a lot, and then there's this one. It's and she walks around. I've got a gif up. She walks around with a basketball, and she just she goes, and then it usually cuts to black, and. I guess they die. Um, <laughs> that sounds creepy. Is it, it creepy? No. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's so... It, it's very strange because at no point is there a basketball in this movie. Like, the, she has a son who is a, who's a pedophile because uh, it's a Japanese horror movie and you have to have a couple of those in there at once. <laughs> um, and so he, like, at one point, the little girl's like, don't touch his basketball. And then the grandma, like, puts the basketball down. And that's it. And <laughs> so when when grandma dies, she takes the basketball with her into the next realm and carries it around. And that's I, she, that's how she kills people. Some of it, I have to wonder what gets lost in translation. I don't think much. But uh, yeah, I don't think it, this makes a lot of sense. Sometimes just the way that Japanese cinema is made. Mm-hmm. I, sometimes uh, cinema and video games and books and manga and TV and everything. You're like, there's things that just don't make sense that happen in these. Yeah, and and uh, though these movies don't really care about plot. Yeah, I mean, um, they just they just go for scares. Yeah, and it works. I like them. I still I'm still in. That's yeah. White Ghost, Black Ghost. I kind of fell asleep during Black Ghost because I was watching like two in the morning. <laughs> um, Does Juan have one single continuity, unlike the Ring series? Yeah, that you told us about. Yeah, it's one continuity. Yeah. So the rings, yeah, the rings kind of branch off. Although, you know what? I might be wrong on Juan because they just rebooted it a couple of years ago, I mm. think. So I'm going to have, I'm getting to the reboot, I think, of, oh, and I don't know because I haven't been watching the American movies. So I don't know if yeah. those are still in the continuity or not. Oh, man. I got to I gotta get got back. got a lot in. of research to do. Get back. Well, they have, um, yeah, the Wikipedia page is really good. There's a video game um, on the Wii. <laughs> that's out there. There's a pachinko machine that's fucking crazy. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a pachinko machine, and like it'll give you a seizure. And, um, There's a grudge video game. 
Yeah, on the Wii. Really? It's got a two out of ten according to IGN. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so I mean, it's not it's not the worst, I guess. No, um, <laughs> could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> could be one. Could be the Superman sixty four game. Um, mm-hmm. I watched Now You See Me Two, which was nice. Um, Somehow not titled Now You Don't. Right. <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Um, <laughs> now you see me, colon. Now you don't. Now you don't. don't. Yeah. Be the third one. I try to think if it would work with the plot, and I guess it would. Um, <laughs> this is what this was directed by John Chu, director of of uh, Step Up movies, a couple of them. Torque. And no, no, Torque oh. is Joseph Kahn. That's the one. Uh, oh yeah, man. Is this the second <laughs> week in a row that Torque has come up? Uh, yes, it's the best two weeks of the podcast. Was that last week? I think so. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Lance, have you seen Torque? <laughs> I, I've heard great things. Oh my god, you gotta see Torque. Yeah. I'll watch Torque with you and then you can watch Tosco thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'll watch yeah, Torque too. Two, two movie dates right here. I'll watch Torque as well. I mean. yeah. Is there a Torque too? No. Uh Are you sure? Not yet. Yeah, positive. Seems like the kind of thing. It seems like would... something he would shoot on like a weekend. Um <laughs> as like a prank. Um there was this really good website that like counted down the days of since Torque had been released. <laughs> 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 and that was it. It was like a GeoCities website. Uh, yeah, now you see me too. Go watch it, I guess. It's a good, it's a good, uh, good video rental, probably. It was fine. And then I was just reminded of this as I was scrolling through my phone. I watched this movie. It's called West of Zanzibar. It's a 1928 silent horror movie, and I forgot to talk about it last week, and it's so good. Uh, it stars Lon Chaney and Lionel Barrymore. And Lon Chaney plays a magician, and him and Lionel Barrymore get in a fight over Lon Chaney's wife. And Lionel, or Lon Chaney gets paralyzed from the waist down, and he moves to Africa for some reason. I didn't get that part. Um, it's silent. Something may have been lost in translation there. And then he moves to Africa, and he the, the natives call him dead legs the entire time. <laughs> and, he, and for some reason, the, his wife's daughter moves to Africa, and like Lon Chaney's like, that's, that's, her, that's my daughter. Like, that's the daughter. Or no, he thinks it's... Ugh, I'm fuzzy on the plot, but anyway, it's her daughter. She moves to Africa, and like he keeps her under control of like drugs and stuff the entire time. And it's the sleaziest like 1920s movie I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> it's so awesome. It's uh, Todd Browning who did the original Dracula and Freaks, and like it's so cool. Like it was one of those things. I had like a list of like silent horror movies like from like college, and I'm like, at some point I'm gonna watch these. And I like I remembered them, and um. I was going through and I had time before work and I watched a couple and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so happy right now that I watched this one. <laughs> Cause like it's, so where did you get access? Like, where did you find it? Um, YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Is that legal? No one, for, no one, for, I mean, no one on the West of Zanzibar not, crew is going to be real bummed that I fired their movie. Yeah. They're not getting in on all those <laughs> residuals, but and I, the Barrymore's are fine. I don't think it's illegal for you to watch. Yeah. It's probably legal for me to talk about. I don't you think played a company to song talk. to kick the show off. Well, so. yeah, who cares? But uh, <laughs> it, no, it's more illegal for someone to post than it is for someone to. Oh, okay. To view. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know the legality behind it, yeah. so I'm in the clear. I think so. That's fine. So watch that. <laughs> all right. Uh, I haven't been watching too much. Just a couple TV shows. Uh, first of all, you're the worst. Came back last week. Uh, the aforementioned you're the worst. It's great. Uh, still fantastic. Still really messed up people doing stupid things, but somehow ending up kind of sweet sometimes. So I enjoy that quite a bit. 
And season three of uh, Halt and Catch Fire is about three episodes in at this point. Fourth episode is airing as we Is uh, it still speak. on? Yeah, it's still oh, on. Man. Still on. The uh, ratings are now lower than they were in the first <laughs> season, but it's still a fantastic show. It. It's It's so interesting as somebody who has any kind of interest in the tech industry. It's kind of like they're doing a little bit of what everybody kind of hated about the newsroom. Okay. Where I'm like, it was Aaron Sorkin being like, this is how a perfect news network would portray the news and do their work. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like somebody looking at the tech industry from the 70s and 80s and remixing it to kind of create drama and tension between competing companies. Because there was a lot of drama at the time, you know, Steve mm-hmm. Jobs stealing things from Xerox and, and all that kinds of stuff. But um, kind of giving that fictional reshuffling of that stuff and watching it bloom it makes me feel like i'm like i'm kind of watching what actually happened at the time which is before my time and something that i couldn't have really experienced real time anyway so i really enjoy it for that and it's fantastic and uh and i hope it sticks around for more i uh i would like to see more matthew lillard has joined the show in a small role uh so far small role and and i'm very happy about that mm-hmm. nice. and, uh, always nice to see yes okay. yeah yeah mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think that's about it. So we can get into some film news here. I picked out a few stories. There's some late-breaking news. Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson are returning for Shanghai Dawn. Is it the fourth? I think it's the third. Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, and Shanghai Dawn. Oh. Uh, I just wanted to say this because I didn't ever think that this was going to happen. Jackie Chan uh, is getting an Oscar this year. Yeah, he's getting... Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess that's the better news story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's getting the Lifetime Achievement That award. is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That's, yeah. I think that's a great person to give that to. Mm-hmm. Although, I feel like like he's that means he's not going to do anything after this. You know, that's the that's curse. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to kill Jackie Chan. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, but, I don't know if he can be killed. Nah. This is the true. Made it through. Yeah. I just saw his movie First Strike on a list. Of, uh, I saw some list of like 20 yeah. underappreciated films yeah, or 50 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I saw that it was on there and I was like, oh, that's a great entry. Mm-hmm. That's such an awesome, awesome, awesome movie. Yeah. Seen First Strike? No, I've seen a few. Rumble in the Bronx, I've seen. Maybe oh, good. man. First Strike is the best. Let's yeah. roll it in with Tusk and Torque. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what a triple feature. It's shaping up to be quite the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um. Another thing that happened this week, Daniel Craig was supposedly offered $150 million to star in two more Bond movies. Uh, I think we've spoken about this a little bit. Yeah. Tim, you said you could go for one more, maybe. One more. I want him to go out on top. Yeah. Like, I want him to go out with better than Spectre. Okay. One more is good. If they fill him back to back, though, maybe. $150 million, though, for That's a, a lot Bond of money. movie is a lot of money because those movies tend to make... Around that much, (laughs) (laughs) like domestically, so boy, Uh, and plus he's getting long in the tooth. So I don't know if this is a great investment, but yeah, this is the Bond franchise. So yeah, they're not known for Sam Mendes coming back. Anybody know? I don't think think that's. I think he's probably gone. I think he's gone. I I could pass on Sam Mendes. Yeah, I think they could get some new, like a new vision in there. Yeah, and I would be okay with it. I'd be. I'd prefer that. Yeah. I'd be down to see Daniel Craig in one or two more, but without Sam Mendes, please. Yeah. Who would be the next? I know everybody, everybody's everybody been wanting Christopher Nolan to do one, but 
I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. They like they like workman directors. Yeah. Um because they don't the bond producers don't necessarily want someone with a lot of vision. Um Mendes is like as like out of left field as they gotten, I think, really. Yeah. Mark, Mark Forster was pretty left field. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I guess recently they've been a little bit more. Well, and at the same time, I think but, um But Martin Campbell had already done Golden High right. and I think like if you look at the Batman producers being open to having Christopher Nolan, he he took Batman and told a story about mm. the character. Yeah. And so kind of seeing what somebody would do if they took that James Bond approach, like what kind of story could I tell that distills us down to the essence of James Bond? Mm-hmm. I think that might be interesting. Oh, I would love to see it. I you just, just don't think, don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you got to remember Nolan was not really established as high. I mean, when he did begins, yeah, I mean that now, got him on the map. Yeah, now people know that, and Batman was in dire need of anything yeah. at that point. So. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I feel like the Bond films of recent have always just been confirming that Bond's this old guy in a new world, and he's going to stay that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, like I'm tired, I'm tired of that. I think it happened in the last two movies, and in Skyfall it worked, but then Spectre it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not using this technology. I'm going to use my fists. <laughs> and I'll make it. Don't worry. I'll, I'll do it. I'll be all right. You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's oversimplified, it's I know. But 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 it, it stresses how, like, classic Bond is yeah. versus, you know, innovation. Trying to like bring him forward. Yeah. 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 When you, when you describe it that way, that's what I was thinking. I would like, if no one were to do a Bond movie, uh, watching him deal with like an older Daniel Craig in like a world full of younger guys would be interesting. Like how, what, what is James Bond like when he's over the hill or like, because they've, they've obviously made Bond movies in the past with guys that are too old to be James Bond, <laughs> but, they, they, but they never acknowledge they that they're shoot old. around it. Yeah, exactly. Neglect that. And way. if no one, or they if no one <laughs> leaned into it and like kind of told a story about James Bond, who's like past his prime, which is kind of like you say, Skyfall kind of gets there, but I didn't really love Skyfall that much. And if no one, it'd be, it'd be kind of a shame though, because no one has said time and time again he loves James Bond and he would love to do a James Bond movie. But he considered a lot of the third act of Inception to be his James Bond movie, particularly all the snow state snow stuff with uh, Tom Hardy, and no one has such a has such a cool uh, mind for coming up with big action. He doesn't always execute it the best, but the ideas are so cool that to for him to tackle a Bond movie, if he were to do like an older aging story about an old guy who can't necessarily hang anymore, that would be really good. But I would also be like, it's kind of a shame he he won't do, you know, he won't kickstart the next James Bond or something like that with yeah. a younger guy with who can pull off this crazy action. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It just all, it all depends on where they want to go with the story, I guess, because I'm not sure they have anything left to tell with Daniel Craig, but... I wish they had stopped with Skyfall uh, after seeing Spectre. I was kind of like, be. Yeah, and I, I kind of wanted Christoph Waltz to get another round of Blofeld. I thought he was wasted. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, so it, it doesn't. Uh, apparently, Sony put this offer out to Daniel Craig. That's the rumor, anyway. But the weird thing is that Sony doesn't currently have the rights to James Bond at the moment, it's reverted. They've gone back up for bid after Scepter. 
Spectre Spectre. came out. (laughs) Scepter came out, but it it also yeah. And then there were some things back here, back like last year for uh, Spectre, where Daniel Craig said there was a conversation at one point that went, "Let's film two movies back to back." I just went, "You're out of your fucking minds!" In the nicest possible way, they're just too big. So I, who knows how much of like any actual news this is? But he's almost fifty, right? I think like forty-eight. I think so. Forty-seven. I thought about getting an Amazon Alexa that we can just connect into this so we could ask it those questions. Oh, but <laughs> yeah, cool idea. Amazon wouldn't be giving us any money for that, so why do that? Mm. Um, Daniel Craig is 48. Shit. So. Yeah, he's old. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I mean, he, I mean, he looked old when they made Casino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thing. With he always played like a pretty worn down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. Ten, that was 10 years ago. Yeah, almost to, we're creeping up on. I think it came out in like November 2006. It was something like that. I remember that was like a marching band trip because we did spy movies as our theme that year. And then we went and all saw yeah. Casino Royale. I will never forget seeing that movie in the theaters on the opening weekend. Yeah. Man, it was awesome. Well, right. they should probably just reboot it, bring back Martin Campbell again to start off the next James Bond because he did such a good job with the previous two. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that. Yeah. He needs, right. he needs something too after Green Lantern. Is that the last thing he did? Green Lantern, Alexa, or is it Alexa? Alexa? <laughs> Amazon Alexa. Alexa? Yeah. Uh, he did Edge of Darkness with Mel Gibson. Was that post Casino Royale? That may have been post Green Lantern. I think so. Yeah, Martin Campbell. Martin Campbell's IMDb. <laughs> Everyone's doing it. Who's gonna win? And so, so we've got Casino Royale, and then Edge of Darkness, and then Green Lantern. Uh huh. And then he's he's done an episode of a TV series called Last Resort, and then two TV movies called Reckless and Warriors. Mm. And now he's got one movie in post-production called The Foreigner. Okay. Which um, stars Jackie Chan, bringing it full circle. The IRA took his family. The police looked the other way. Now he must get revenge. Sounds good. All right. Why is Jackie Chan in there? Because he's the foreigner. Ah. That's a bummer. And then... (laughs) Oh, no, 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 not sorry. That was unrelated. <laughs> the Jackie Chan news is a bummer. That's kind of <laughs> And then Across the River Into the Trees is in pre-production, which um, is a World War II movie. It's kind of just a bummer. Starring Pierce Brosnan. Oh, what a great. Yes. That we threw Martin Campbell in director of jail just because of Green Lantern. Yeah. Because he made two of the best Bond movies. It happens, though. And he made the Zorro movies. I've, yeah. Uh, Hollywood has such a short attention span that yeah. they don't Those are my two favorite Bond movies. Yeah. 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 They're really good. Well, speaking of Mel Gibson, uh, he's got a movie called Hacksaw Ridge coming out. Mm-hmm. We saw the trailer to that yesterday. Lance, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen the trailer. No, uh, don't, don't see it. Don't don't watch the trailer. Okay. So the apparently it um, it played at uh, the Venice Film Festival and got like a ten minute standing ovation, which all movies that play at film festivals get standing ovations. But I, what do you guys think of the trailer is basically what I wanted to talk about. That's funny that you said that because I read that same comment on Reddit. And somebody said, actually, if you read the article, it says that standing ovations at that festival are not common. Really? They I go think out, you're thinking of can. They go, right? Yeah, it okay. can. They go way out of their way. They gave World Trade Center like a 10-minute standing ovation. Mm. We saw how that went. So, um, One of the comments, too, I saw, it's, it's helpful that the cast and crew are yes, on stage. Yeah. 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 Uh, if they're right see, there, there in front of you, then, you yeah. know, obviously... That's when it actually makes sense to clap for a movie. But anyway, thoughts on the Hacksaw Ridge trailer? You don't have to give any spoilery stuff away. <clears throat> Life spoilers, as they're known. I think it's a way... 
it's way too spoilery of a trailer. I think yeah. it pretty much lays out the whole plot of the movie. It, mm-hmm. it, all of the turning, all like three or four of the turning points in the plot are like laid out in the trailer. And I'm kind of like, oh, cool. I don't feel like I need to see it now. I feel like I kind of know <laughs> where it's going to go. Well, at the same time, if you think about a movie like um, like World Trade Center or something like that, where you know that that, or Titanic, you know, the whole, well, Titanic's kind of a different story, but. Yeah, the idea of spoilers for life, <laughs> you know. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's <sighs> if the American educational system was any good, we would have known about this probably, right? <laughs> right. But this, I'm not talking about like what the end of the movie is, but like it seems There's like pers- all of the major beats We're throughout the all, movie okay. are yeah. in the trailer. Yeah, and I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I guess we don't know at this point. And I'm still gonna see it, but I, I felt the same way. Mel's a great director. And it's got a it's got a good cast and it looks really awesome. There's like some phenomenal stuff in there, and uh, of course I'm gonna go see it. Uh, just the trailer, just is kind of. And I also I don't know if I buy Andrew Garfield as like a southern boy. He's got this. Listen to him do a little twang. It's kind of yeah. funny. I was kind of like, eh, he's right. good in Ninety Nine Homes. I don't know if he, that's southern. Yeah, but it's well, it's Florida. He's- yeah. He, yeah, he's in Florida. Yeah. There's a little bit of a touch of it, but <laughs> it's not as... Geographically southern. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's That's not, not the south, though. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, Florida's its own entity. Uh, it is, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Florida's a whole other ball. 99 <laughs> Homes is, takes place in Florida? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he's Florida man? Michael Shannon kills it, man. Always. Kills yes, it. he does. He plays, um, Michael Shannon plays Florida man. Oh my God, he would be so good. <laughs> in Florida Man the movie? Yeah. Uh, all, it's any, just it, a series of vignettes about these... <laughs> Florida insane man. Florida man stories. Yeah, to any international listeners or domestic listeners who aren't aware, Florida man is like a real phenomenon. And there's there's a there's a Twitter account actually that I follow called at Florida man, and it it just tweets news stories because the craziest shit happens in Florida. And yeah, this the, is coming from the, people who live and, in Detroit. And the lead yeah. always always begins a Florida man. Florida man <laughs> blank. And yeah. they're always these amazing stories that you won't hear anywhere else in the nation. They're just crazy. Florida man drives to hospital with alligator on his arm, kind of. No, thing. there and was like, one that said Florida man throws alligator through drive-through window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was he a real was, one. He was charged with like aggravated assault. Yeah, because he threw an alligator through through. <laughs> I was in Florida for work, and my friends and I were scrolling through Twitter, reading these Florida man stories, and we were crying. We were laughing so hard because we were yeah. driving down the street, and we like at every every gas station we stopped at anything, we would just laugh at like the local Floridians because yeah. Florida man is a very he's very real. Much. <laughs> Michael Shannon would be a great Florida. Man. <laughs> we, we should we should like think of it should five. Be like, I'm we not, need, I'm no. not there. What was the Bob Dylan? Yes, movie? It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Rotating there Florida should be man. five different Florida men, and we should come up with the story, the perfect story for each of them to take over. I'm, I'm totally now for this. All right, yeah. who should the other four be? Well, we'll, I, we'll come back to it in another week where we've had more time to think about it. Uh, no, we should all come to the table right with a Florida man story. Oh man. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a beautiful idea. Well, we know Michael Shannon will be one of us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tim, what did you think of the trailer for? Hex I Riders? actually thought like the exact same thing Nick did. Yeah. Uh, it's too spoilery. It looks good. I mean, the movie looks good cause I've seen most of it now, <laughs> um, but it's great so far. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would like to see it. Um, yeah. once I've forgotten about the trailer, yeah. And um yeah. I like that um nowhere in the trailer does it say Mel Gibson's name. It tells <laughs> you from the director of Braveheart. Braveheart and Apocalypto. Yeah. <laughs> Guns. Yeah. Interesting. Mel Mel Gibson isn't in director jail, but Martin Campbell is. Right. But they've worked together. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, eh, if we talk, we've talked about Mel before. Yeah, on here, uh, yeah. Mel. Mel has his issues. Yes, he does. Yeah. All right, and then finally, there was one piece of news that I wanted to talk about, but I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I know there's somebody at this table who isn't going to want to know. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Tim? We just looked at each other and we're cracking up. <laughs> the Mel, Mel could be one of the five Florida men. <laughs> <laughs> he might be good. That's, uh, we'll put him on the list. He can. Uh, we could just do Australia, man. I was going to say, yes, surely at Florida, <laughs> they have the similarities. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh-huh. Uh, there's some news that came out recently from um, the cinematographer of the film. Oh, I saw this. Who said that there is a way to tell who is possessed by the thing. What do you guys think about this? I'm not going to tell you what it is. And I don't think if anybody's read so. this. You know, I know it too. Yeah. Really? I assume you wouldn't want to know. No. Yeah. I don't, I'll, come, I'll come to you in like a year and say, okay, Be like, tell what me. is it? Yeah. <laughs> but I think you'll weep for an hour. Because <laughs> they just put together, like Screen Factory just put together a whole box set thing and they had an interview with John Carpenter. There's a, yeah, there's a 4K re-release from Screen Factory. Yeah, it's of awesome. The thing it looks coming. really good. Mm-hmm. But, I missed out on it. And I think Carpenter, I think somewhere Carpenter has mentioned it a little because Mick Garris does an interview with John Carpenter and he mentions it a little and he's like, no, no. Like he goes, we did what we did on purpose leading up to that final shot. Okay. But that final, so the final sh- shot is still ambiguous. the final shot. They, they, yeah. Yeah. He goes, what he's talking about is true. We totally did that. On, I mean, we did it on purpose, but the final shot is still meant to be. Okay. Left Interesting. So throughout the movie, you, if you know this factoid, you can tell who is a thing, who is the thing and who is still their natural self. Yeah. Except for the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. Okay, I, I think I wouldn't necessarily okay mind knowing, knowing that, but I'm going to mull it over. Okay. As long as the ending is still the ending, then that's cool. Yeah. Lance, have you seen the thing? I've seen it once. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Like, wh- what does this news mean to you? Like, would you want... Did, did you read it? Uh, no, I didn't read it. Okay. No. But clearly, like, you've seen it once, so it wasn't something that you were like, oh my God, this is my favorite movie forever now. Uh, no. I yeah. mean, no, I would say... I mean, it's it's pretty cool that they they planned it that way. Yeah, it's cool. A little little touch there, you know, like the oranges and the Godfather, or something like that. You know, yeah, throwing a little hint. Um, but I don't know. Wow, it's, I kind of like uh, I kind of like not knowing as well. Yeah, keeping keeping on edge of my seat, kind of thing. I think it's interesting. Well, by by the end of the movie, you kind of know for the most part who was and who wasn't all along. Yeah. So I guess it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. All right. Tell me later. Okay. <laughs> See, look at that. Well, it only took two minutes. It's out there, everybody. If you want to check it out, I'm sure if you just Google the thing, it's the first thing that comes up. John Carpenter right. was in the news recently too because he sued somebody for taking yeah. his screenplay. Luke Besson. Luke Besson. That's right. Yeah. Uh, sued for lockout. Yeah. Being escaped from New York. <laughs> right. Right. Did Carpenter win? Yes. Yeah. He won really? like a small yes. amount. Like that's such a. Yeah. I think like we talked about two hundred thousand. That's such a weird. Twenty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Lockhart and Escape from New York. I mean, they're really, really obviously they're very similar, but they're different enough. There's been way more flagrant ripoffs. And people have talked about Carpenter has remade Rio Bravo like ten or fifteen times in his <laughs> filmography. Like, <laughs> come on, John. Uh, so wow. I don't care. I mean, he likes money. And he likes not working for money, so he found a way to do both. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, there's excerpts and what stuff an of the ruling out there <laughs> that you can read through. But um, wow, I think it's one of those things where it it depends on the judge that you get, and most people I think are are taught to realize that plagiarism cases are very difficult unless it's to a T clear cut. 
you're not going to win it. I enjoyed Lockout, but I don't think it's because I enjoyed Escape from New York. Yeah, I don't. I well, yeah, I think it's a, another reason, mainly the what is that guy, <laughs> but which I still have a clip of somewhere on my many hard drives. But it's good. Yeah. Have you guys seen? Lo- I've, I've seen Lockout. Yeah, it's all right. I like it. Yeah, Nick and I saw it in a theater, and it was just us. Probably just two of us. Yeah, yeah and we just talked. The whole time. It was wonderful. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm a sucker for Guy Pierce though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, As yeah. well established. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for film news. Great. Now for our review of David Duchovny's Hell or High Water. No. Um Hell or High Water, directed by David McKenzie. The IMDB synopsis says a divorced dad and his ex con brother resort to a desperate scheme in order to save their family's ranch in West Texas. Uh, this movie stars Ben Foster, Chris Pine, and Jeff Bridges, and uh, Gil Birmingham as well, and many a few other people as well. Um, and yeah, so this is a, it's seen a smaller release. I think uh, it's kind of, it's been out for a couple weeks around here. Yes. Um, but I think it's kind of opening up over the past couple weeks, and hopefully people can check it out. But uh, David McKenzie, are there any particular David McKenzie's here, David McKenzie fans here? Right here. Yeah. yeah. So what what have you seen from him previously? So I've seen Startup, okay. which is amazing. It's a really uh, violent, visceral prison drama okay. with um, Jack O'Connell, who's incredible in it. Uh, really, what a way to introduce yourself to the film world. And then Ben Mendelsohn, who's always just knocking it out the park. Always. <laughs> yep. Sold. Yep. And then I've heard the soundtrack to a film he did called The Perfect Sense. Okay. Which started Hugh McGregor and um, Eva Green. Eva Green, and uh, the soundtrack is really good. And I've seen parts of that movie as well. And it's it's very romantic and emotional. So this guy knows what he's doing. Okay. He's definitely a good director. Startup is on Amazon Prime streaming. Go right. for it. Uh, so Nick and Tim, have you had any? I had never seen I or have, heard of David. McKenzie I had heard of before. one, and I can't remember the name of it. The one with Hugh McGregor, Young Adam. Adam Young Adam. That yeah. was the, that's the one I've heard of. I haven't seen though. Okay. Same here, actually. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so. Hell or High Water. Nick, what did you think about it? I liked it. I think... And, and the, you know, the three of you, uh, Alex, Tim, and I talked about the movie afterwards, which we haven't done in the last few weeks. Generally, we just do Try to keep brief thoughts, yeah. and then we all scram. And this week, we kind of talked a little bit more, so I feel like I hopefully don't echo some of your guys' thoughts ahead of you. But I think it's... It reminded me a lot of No Country for Old Men, but it doesn't have any of the subtlety or nuance that No Country has. And to to be totally clear, I liked it. Like I I did like it, and I would probably watch it again at some point. Uh, but the it's just very everything is very face value. I think, and yeah. you, you're never you're never questioning any characters. You're never really curious where any characters are going to wind up. I thought it was very. I think when we left theater, I said it was relentlessly predictable. Like everything about it felt very by the numbers. It was very, I anticipated everything that was going to happen, but I didn't mind strangely enough. Usually I'd be kind of bored by this, but I think uh, it's very well shot. There's a lot of very cool moving shots. There's lots of long takes and lots of interesting photography. There's this one shot that blew my mind right at the beginning of the movie when they're 
they're driving the car away from a bank and they turn a corner and somehow the camera is in the road and it like zooms in and goes right up to their window and like continues the scene. And I was like, whoa, how did they do that? Like, I really yeah. can't figure it out. It's really, really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. They probably and, destroyed a few cameras in the process. Uh, I think they, probably, yeah, I'm like, I, I have a few guesses, but I really don't know for sure. This is the kind of thing where I'd love to read an article on how a lot of these scenes were shot, yeah. which is really impressive. I think if that's, if you're going to have a movie that's relatively, and I, and maybe you know while they're making it, they maybe they just they don't know or they don't care. But I I just personally thought it was really predictable, and and we've seen it all before. It felt like well worn territory, but they elevated it with with this really great production value, and the acting is uh, is all good. At 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 minimum, it's like adequate above adequate. Like I think Tim and I were both in all three of us talking about Chris Pine, and like I I, I liked Chris Pine in it, but I think he could have been swapped out for other actors that are maybe would have been a little bit better in the role but i thought he was good but ben foster is really really good in it jeff bridges is excellent in it and all of the weird little characters that are sprinkled throughout the movie are really really natural they all feel like these great great character actors so that's uh that's really nice to to watch i think there are some interesting there's a lot of very 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 interesting subplots that are lurking in this movie that don't get fleshed out like the movie focuses very very strongly on the main struggle that Chris Pine has going on and it doesn't veer too far off the path and it has there's lots of very interesting forks in the road for the story where we could have maybe gone down some other little avenue and checked out some some of this but it it, it sticks pretty true to to the to the main thrust of the story which is again isn't bad it just could have been more interesting probably but it could have veered too far off the road and just you know flipped over entirely yeah so i appreciate that they played it pretty safe i guess with the story uh there's one other thing i wanted to say and i forgot so oh uh i got really excited when i saw the score was by nick cave and warren ellis and it was really boring and uh i didn't really like it and it didn't feel like anything that they didn't just strip from their b-sides from lawless and uh jesse james so i was kind of bummed out by that they were just kind of again were just hitting the same marks that they always do except it wasn't as good as they have been in the past i was thinking about when we saw lawless it was this weekend like four years ago really, really? What's, what's it actually called it's called it lawless. is called lawless it's, okay it's oh not, willie calls it, it outlaws, outlaws yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah the other thing i did like oh this is what i was gonna say uh, i like that the movie <clears throat> doesn't you learn you learn the the details of of the main plot throughout the movie like it doesn't you don't have these exposition scenes of the two brothers sitting around talking about what they're doing it's just you're left that's the one area where i was kind of left guessing throughout was like what exactly is this big plan they keep talking about and how did it come to be and who are the other people involved and that's kind of deposited throughout the movie and i really really enjoyed that the fact that I didn't really... It just kind of starts, and you don't really know who these guys are. You don't really know their backstory, and then it's kind of... Yeah, you kind of you can understand why anybody would be stealing money in the first place. So you don't need all of that information up front. I didn't need any of that up front. Yeah. I really liked the way they handled it, and I thought that was, uh, that was really strong. Uh, and I guess that's about it for non-spoilers. I, I liked it. I'm glad we went to go see it. I think it's one of those movies where it could have easily slipped by and I would not have seen it in the theater. And I'm glad that I did. Yeah. Because this, this is one that if I'd watched at home, I would have probably gotten distracted at some point. And, uh, I'm glad that I was there to just, to just hone in. It does have some really, really tense scenes. There are some scenes of, of tension and that, that really, I, I was like, Oh, I was really into it. Yeah. So that was cool. So it definitely held my attention. All right. Lance. What did you think of Hell or High Water? I enjoyed it immensely. I really liked the movie 
um, loved the the trailer to begin with, and even the poster with just Jeff Bridges' big old face on there, and then little <laughs> tiny uh, Ben yeah. Foster and uh, Chris, Pine, Chris yeah. Pine. And I love it when uh, Ben Foster plays Ben Foster, which is to say Ben Foster's a psycho, <laughs> and uh, he he really uh, does a really good job in this film. And Chris Pine is very admirable as well. And um, I think it is deeper than face value uh, with a lot of the stuff that it does, especially with um, taking things. And like the the basic thing about the movie is that they take money from this bank. But then there's also the the kind of things that they talk about that are taken from Native Americans or like your family being taken from you or your, your life being taken from you, your job being taken from you, you know, like Jeff Bridges for one example is, is retiring. So they're taking away the thing that he loves most and he's just going to be relegated to um, his porch for the rest of his life. So it's not, is it fair, you know? And so um, those things kind of came out of the movie for me. And that's, that's what I felt um, was very solid, very strong about it. It's also very funny. There's like a good 15 minutes of the film where it's just flat out comedy, especially in that diner scene where uh, the woman asked them, what don't they want? Yep. Um, and the action is really good. Uh, the violence, the way it deals with violence is the way that like Sergio Leone would deal with violence, where it happens very quick. It, it's not beautiful. It's not like cool or anything like that. It just happens. And it's devastating for some of the people that, that um, get hurt in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's just has a great ending, great dialogue. Um, Jeff Bridges, once again, I mean, uh, my favorite performance of Jeff Bridges is not the one he won the Oscar for, but True Grit. And so he he kind of goes full on True Grit in this film. So um, I love that part about it. Um, and it's very smart screenplay. I mean, let's let's mention that it's written by the guy who uh, wrote Sicario, which is a very good film. And yes. uh, Taylor Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan. Yep. He's so he's an actor turned. Uh, writer, I don't know if he was very successful as an actor, but um, uh, he had a role on Sons of Anarchy. It looks okay. like okay, cool. cool. Isn't he in Sicario also? I thought he was in I there don't in a think tiny so. role. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. not. Oh, yeah. Veronica Mars. Yes, he is. No, not bad. Danny Boyd. Yeah. So, um, you know, like it's it's it is predictable is a word that I was thinking of a little bit, but then it but then it's not because it's because it does a few things where you're like you're thinking it's going this way and it's like it's going to be the same old story, but then it just surprises you. So, um, yeah, I, ve- I very much enjoyed it. It's one of the best of the year for me. All right. Tim, yes. your thoughts? I've been back and forth on this. Because, like, I, we came out of it, I was kind of mixed positive. And then I was thinking about it today. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I liked it that much. And now I'm kind of leaning towards, in a perfect world, this would be, like, mainstream popcorn entertainment. To be not in a perfect world, but in a more adult world, <laughs> movie going world, without in a world where Michael Bay doesn't make all the money, exactly. Oh, come on now, who wants to live there? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, because it does it at its face. I mean, it's a kind of a crime action movie with some deeper things going on. Um, I didn't necessarily maybe grasp or think it. Some of the stuff was all that interesting that it went for. Um, where it kind of let me down was with the characters actually, cause they're good and there's just not a lot of depth to them. And they kind of, a couple of them felt like they stepped out of a Michael Bay movie in some ways. Like uh, Jeff Bridges is honestly like one step away from saying I'm too old for this shit at some points. And yeah. like, 
the, and Chris Pine, the brother dynamic, that dynamic of like the screw up older brother who's kind of unhinged and the, and the brother, oh man, he just wants to do right by his kids and his wife, the younger brother is kind of went, really? Like, come on now. Like we're throwing all of these tropes in one movie. Um, but it's really, really fun and it's a blast to watch. And thematically there is it does have stuff to say i didn't necessarily think it was the weightiest thing to say like uh, banks are bad well thanks money monster like <laughs> um, uh, at least money monster had the rap song um but but for a movie like this to have that is good enough i mean is a nice try i mean not a nice try that's so condescending why did i say that um where was i going with that but and then there's there's also there's this weird thing in the first couple acts where everybody who has a gun is really ineffective with stopping like the bad guys and it goes out of its way to show that which made me chuckle like that's nice and then the third act everybody's super effective with guns except for those guys with the guns solve a lot of problems in the third act i think mm-hmm. so um it kind of it just kind of bothered me um at points but once again it's really funny and it's smart and while the characters aren't great uh, they're a lot of fun to spend time with so if this was like like the 70s a lot of the movies like like the blockbusters used to kind of be like this like the clint eastwood movies like and um (laughs) smoking the bandit popped into my head but you know what i mean yeah um they used to be kind of fun kind of smart movies for grown-ups and dirty harry thank you and that's yeah that's what this is dirty harry is by no means a brilliant film or but it's got some interesting things going on and that's kind of where this lies so when i when i i sound like a crap all over it but i i don't want to um i just wish i liked it a little more um and i think some of that might might have been expectations because i felt like every once in a while like we'll get to go like see like a horror movie that's like at like a 99 percent like the witch or something yeah and like I'll be really into it. And then, like, you guys are like, I don't know what that was. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, it were like, why did that? And then I, because I didn't know much about this, and I saw, like, oh, my God, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And I know better than to go by that. But, like, part of me was expecting something, like, kind of, like, mind-blowing. Something like Sicario or even No Country. And that's not what I got. But what I got was pretty good. So. All right. If that rambling makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. We um, all know better. And yet. Yeah, yeah I know. Always, always I always look at it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can't help it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Uh, it, the Jeff Bridges is obviously a favorite of mine and, and I found it entertaining to watch him. Um, even though it feels like he's playing like a facsimile of Tommy Lee Jones from No Country and a little bit of Rooster Cogburn in there too and kind of, but at least that kind of mix is a little bit different and brings some life into that character. His relationship with Gil Birmingham I thought was interesting and I told Tim, the movie was funnier than I was thinking it was going to be, but I think that could be because I might be racist. So I'm not really sure about that and if I feel good about it or not. I don't I don't identify as a racist, but I don't know. No, I mean, it does a good job of dropping you in the Texas setting. Yeah, and that's one thing that I wanted to say. We kind of... we. Nick Nick uh, brought up the fact that we saw Don't Breathe last week, which is a movie that takes oh. place in, in Detroit, and it feels oh. very much steeped in Detroit, and and it looks like an accurate portrayal of Detroit. 
Uh, I forgot to mention that we got an email from Jason Kimmel, uh, who wrote in and said, subject line, hell or high water. It's really good. The dude is great in it. I highly recommend it for you guys. As a born and raised Oklahoman that spent a lot of time in Texas, this movie rang so true for me in every frame that I really just loved every minute. Anyway, uh, I'll get out to see Don't Breathe sometime this week so I can listen to the new episode. Um, so I think to him it felt pretty authentic as a portrayal of that like Texas-Oklahoma border area, which uh, which I think is interesting to note because it does. we walked out of the movie wondering how much of that felt true. Um, so I think there's some authenticity there. Um, but really... I get what Lance is saying about there being this overarching theme and, and, but I do still feel like it's at the surface. I don't feel as though I feel like you get like hit over the head with it. I liken the movie to killing them softly a little bit where it's not as bad (laughs) as that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, as, as Nick said, we don't get, you know, George W. Bush and John McCain on the radio in the background delivering the theme of the movie. But at the same time, <laughs> what a shame! <laughs> Who was the killer? The top late director, Blake. Andrew Dominic. Andrew yeah. Dominic, and man, such a fallen I, star. I know. Who was that? <laughs> what was his first one? Assassination. Uh, Chopper, right? Oh, Chopper was the first yeah. ever yeah. film. Oh, yeah. Chopper was dope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Assassination of Jesse James, which I love. And then the last one he made was that. And there's nothing since. No bounce back. Uh, we don't have to Google it. I'll, 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 I'll answer my cut. own question. I'm sorry. Alex. That's all right. The no. whatever two hour, 45 minute version of Killing Him Softly, which I'm still waiting for. <laughs> I would probably watch that. But um, so I feel like the movie hits you on the head with a little bit of that and doesn't bother to chew on it too much. It gives you these instances of, of things being taken, but it doesn't really talk about like who's in the right and who's in the wrong in that situation. It's kind of left nebulous and there for you to chew on, but the movie doesn't present that in any direction. But I still find it to be a very compelling story. As Nick said, there's some really awesome shots. The movie opens on a single shot, a single take shot, mm-hmm. or potentially a single. There's actually a, uh, I think the New York Times did I an saw that. anatomy of the scene of it, which I haven't watched yet. Very good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to check they that out. They explain the... Um the car, how how they do the car. Show. Okay, oh, did they? Cool. They do. Oh, yeah. Well, shit, man, you should have said that when I asked. <laughs> Sorry, man, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> so uh, go check that out if you're if you're curious. Um, but I I would say like the movie does. I think the movie came at a very opportune time. Tim. Oh, I'm sorry. He's uh, Andrew Dominic is directing a Nick Cave documentary. I don't think I they already made a Nick Cave documentary. Oh yeah, I think. I Twenty thousand days on Earth. One more. This one's called One More Time with Feeling. Huh. Well, that's that's cool. <laughs> I'll check that out. Um, but I don't remember what I was saying. Sorry. That's okay. I'm really screwed you up. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Um, uh, no, I think the movie came at a good time because we're getting off of the summer that was just filled with yeah. stuff that you really don't care about in any direction. Just mm-hmm. just gunk. And the kind of I think part of me theorizes that that's maybe what that 90% on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. came from. All the like, critics are like, "Oh, they're thank like you. thank <laughs> God something that, something we could right. talk about." Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I I think that's where that came from. Does the movie necessarily deserve like does that 90% translate to this movie is like 90% awesome? No, I don't. No. Yeah. But I think it is very good. I think it's worth people seeing. I think yeah. it's something that you should seek out when it comes to you if it's in some kind of incarnation vod or or smaller theater or something like that but yeah i think that's you know check it out i think we all can agree that you should check it out yeah yeah Yeah, especially if you like westerns or like desert 
desert set movies. It's yeah. got a lot of really cool stuff to look at. Casual and racism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did find it interesting. Tim was talking a little bit about his, n- not necessarily issue, but your kind of inability to see past Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine. Hmm. He felt it's, like he was playing dress up to it me. It felt like he was playing dress up. Nick said he didn't lean into the Texas too much. And then on top of that, my like my kind of thinking of it is that Chris Pine is almost approaching that breaking point of the Tom Cruise level. Like, not level, but the idea of, like, it's hard to separate Chris Pine from the character that he's playing. Like, you just see Chris Pine when he's on screen. And I... Like, and it, we may not feel that way. I didn't feel that way, but I could see Tim starting to feel like that guy's Captain Kirk, you know? And it's, I didn't dislike it by any means. It's a good performance. No, but yeah, but, but it, but it, but it looked it, like Chris Pine to you. He didn't melt into the role as much as Ben Foster did, per right. se. My, my girlfriend and I put our, we, we figured out why, I think. I was telling her about the movie. She didn't go see it with us, but I was kind of telling her about it, and she was looking at pictures from it and stuff like that. And we, we identified that Chris Pine is too handsome. Yeah. <laughs> he's impossibly handsome. And he's he's that level of handsome where he almost like is ugly. Like he's <laughs> he's so dirty in this movie though. He's like he's got dirt all over him. Yeah, but he still is like everyone in the movie's looking at him like, oh, like he's he's always just you're you look at him and you're just like, Wow, what a handsome guy all the time. And like in Smoke and Aces, he's dirty. Like that's Gross. He's gross in that movie. I didn't even and know he's in that movie. You saw that? You saw that? Smoking Aces? Well, I mean, you saw it. Of course, everyone saw it. Yeah. Because they, they thought it was going to be great. <laughs> I, I like it still. I don't think it's great, but I still like it. Uh, but he, and, and, I, and I said that he reminded me of Colin Farrell. And Colin Farrell is another yep. guy who's a very, very handsome guy, but he can get schlubbier looking. Yep. And he does, like, we he just talked about the lobster. And... Well, he doesn't even need to do that, though. Like, true to, in True Detective Season 2, he's yeah. not, you're, you're like, oh, I can see how that guy was once handsome, but he's not really anymore. <laughs> Whereas you look at Chris Pine, and, like, I was joking with, uh, with my girlfriend. I said, even with, the, even with the ski mask, you're like, wow, look at those eyes. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. How can nobody identify this guy? Like, yeah. yeah, he had the most piercing Paul Newman eyes I've ever seen in my life find that guy because he's out there did and, they say uh, he was a football player in this movie uh his kid wants his to play kid football. wants to play football and i think he, i think he did say something about okay because he looks like a well, he might like a texas high school he, he was a cat he was yeah, a quarterback yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was tom brady in texas yeah that's what i mean though he's got he just ben foster okay here's the thing funny thing about ben foster i've <laughs> never i've never liked ben foster I've I've usually actively just kind of going ugh, and I don't know why because now I, I when I see he's in something I'm like wow cool, but I wouldn't say I still wouldn't say I like him, but I know I'm going to be entertained when I see Ben Foster now. Have you seen Alpha Dog? I have, and I think that's what I think that's what kickstarted it because when he started doing karate, I was like what in the, what am I in for? I had no idea. Pretend to Yuma. Ben Foster yeah. is is a treat. Yeah, and yeah. see, he's good in that, and he, he's great in Warcraft, and <laughs> he's he's always really really entertaining. He's kind of like Nicolas Cage, but good. Where where he can go to these crazy places, and I totally buy it, and yeah. and I think he's really good. But in this movie, he's I just buy him more as this particular. It really and, soaks in the Texas. In this yeah, movie. and I and I. I don't know because I don't want to say it's impossible for a handsome person to live in Texas, but. <laughs> Because I, I understand, like what Tim's saying, there's that archetype of like the Texas football, you know, quarterback guy who's the handsome guy who's got it all, and and they do kind of paint Chris Pine in that light. They say he's got no record, he's a family guy, that kind of thing. This they kind of do, but there's just something about it. When I was looking at him the whole time, I was just like, this guy wouldn't be robbing banks. He would be like scooped up to work somewhere else. Because look at him, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. 
And uh, I don't know. It just he's that. That's where I think some of the distraction and the inability to buy him comes into it. Because even like if Brad Pitt is in something where he needs to be a little grungy or dirtier, he can do it. And you're kind of like, like in Fury, you're like, man, that guy looks like he's seen some shit. It took him some time though, too. That is true. He's a little older than Chris Pine, I think. So that is true. And I'm not holding it against Chris Pine because good job, good for you. Like that's great. And sometimes it it's really funny. And I think he's got, I think he's got amazing comedic timing. I think he's a really funny guy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love Chris Pine. He's so, yeah, he's really really funny, and I think when he can when he can use his looks to his advantage, like I didn't see into the woods, but every shot of him in the trailer made me laugh my ass off because I was like, <laughs> look at that. And uh, and in Wet Hot American Summer, he's so hysterical. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite part of the of the series. If someone could make like a handsome buddy comedy with him and Chris Hemsworth, I think it would make a lot of money. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was just the one. Maybe some, it should be him and Jim Gaffigan though. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe those two at Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just blue-eyed guys, <laughs> just Jim Gaffigan and Chris Pine. <laughs> That's really good. Well, anyway, we might, that, we that, might that, get that in Star Trek Four. Actually, that was just kind of the joke that I said to my girlfriend, and she was like, "Oh, I could totally see." It. Like she was going through the screenshots from the movie, and she was saying, "She was just like, yeah, he just pops out at every frame because you just like look at him, like the way he's lit yeah. and everything. He's always just like beautiful to where like waitresses in the diner don't want to." Tell, tell police like the bad things he's done because they're like, oh, he's so cute though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's for that's all for right. later. Well, uh, we can get into spoiler Terry. I think we all recommend it quite a bit. So, uh, well, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and spoiler Terry for Hell and High Water. Done some good, I've done some bad, like any man I've been. A man of words. Welcome to Spoiler Terry for Hell or High Water. I was basically joking the whole time before the movie came out that I <laughs> hope the David Duchovny song is the theme. Oh yeah, to, right. to the movie with the like written for the film. Yeah. <laughs> what if that would have popped up? Like score by Nick Cave and David Duchovny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if this if that song had played at the end, I would have liked it more than the song that they did choose. Yeah. <laughs> the final scene. I didn't really well, like that. Well, and I put it <laughs> I put it on in the car because uh, Tim and I drove there. And we both were listening to it, and after every line, we were like, yeah, that fits. Yeah, that fits. Yeah, missed, that fits. Uh, another missed yeah. opportunity. Uh, so I think maybe the biggest thing to talk about with this movie, if we want to get right to I don't know if we have any individual thoughts of things throughout the movie, but the the ending. What did you guys think of, of leaving it to the point where, at some point, Jeff Bridges or Chris Pine, one of them is going to kill each other? It was a... Again, I just kind of was like nothing. There, it didn't feel like there was anything original about it. And uh, but at the same time, do you think if if we just got Chris Pine doing his thing, and then we cut to the shot of Jeff Bridges reading the paper in the morning, that's no country as well, right? I almost would have liked that better, though. Yeah, like the weird to to tease me with like a standoff like that, and then not and then not do it. It just was. I was kind of like, oh, this could be really interesting. Like, what's going to happen? I mean, I don't know. Because <laughs> what you just described, sound, like that's where I thought it was going to go. And yeah. I would have been like immensely more satisfied. I would have been like, oh, that's funny. Like Chris Pine gets away with it because it was a pretty good plan. And Jeff Bridges is retired and it just works out. And there's nothing he can do about it. Basically. Right. And and I did I did like the I did like a lot of the scene. I like Jeff Bridges popping down and flipping that hat right on his boot. And Oh, my God. And, and it was and so having, swift. Having the beer. And I... <laughs> I, I always like scenes where where the antagonists can be face to face and 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 talk, but usually I expect a little more resolution after that. And 
I'm not saying they should have done Heat and had that scene be earlier and then have it play out more, but I don't know. It just felt, and I don't mean this as an insult to the movie, but it's going to come out that way. But like I said, when we got out of the theater, it felt very like first time screenwriter to me. It felt very like, like practiced story beats and endings that were drawn from other things and said, oh, we'll end the movie this way rather than. The story just didn't feel written from from a place of inspiration. It felt like I like all of these eight movies and I'm going to take pieces of them and reshuffle them into my own movie because it felt like stuff we've seen for the most part. And there, there are bits in there that I was like, oh, that's neat and fresh. But overall, even the ending, I was like, this feels like something that a, that a recent film school graduate would write and think like that's a great ending. It's ambiguous. It's cool. It's edgy. But it just didn't – I didn't like it. I didn't feel – like either of these characters really earned that that it just didn't feel natural, I guess is kind of what I'm saying. And like I, I should be struggling more with, with the moral dilemma, I think, because by the end of the movie I was kinda of like, you should probably just arrest Chris Pine or like tell people like because I I didn't really sympathize with him that much. I think he he locked in his kid's future, which was cool, but he didn't need to get away. He didn't need to to you know what I mean? Like he could have been punished and I don't know. It just didn't feel satisfactory. Any other thoughts on the ending? I mean, Lance said he liked the ending a lot, so I want to hear what he said. Yeah, I did. Uh, for for me, um, just the lines I remember how they they both said to each other that I'm going to give you peace, you know. And uh, to me, that's that's kind of fitting um, because just the way throughout this whole thing, and and a few of the things that Jeff Bridges mentioned where he was like. He was like, all those people had to die, or like four people didn't have to die, or something yeah. like that. And then, and then Chris Pine talks about how he grew up poor and stuff like that. And I think all these things, when they came up, it, it, their rationale, like especially Chris Pine's rationale for what doing what he did, you know, he's like, yeah, four people, you know, died, but you know, I'm not gonna live this way, and my kids are not gonna live this way. So you know what? That's it. You know, that's it happened. You know, deal with it. And Jeff Bridges is like, well, no, I'm not gonna deal with it. I'm gonna. Spend, you know, you killed my friend, who who um, Gil Birmingham character died, um, taken taken again away from him. I'm sorry, I'm. It seems like I have a theme now. <laughs> I'm just saying things are taken, <laughs> but uh, or tooken. So, um, but uh, but I think uh, Jeff Bridges is, um, you know, like kind of a pissed off American. Kind of how a lot of people are pissed off. They're pissed off at the bank or um, pissed off at whatever that was, um, you know, once in their lives and now is not. And so, um, I feel like, uh, the ending kind of summed everything up and like the face to face thing. Um, as you said that the, like two the protagonist and antagonist kind of face off each other. The film that I like most where that happened was, um, American gangster where, uh, you had a lot of time with Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington kind of, um, squaring off against each other that played out for like the last half hour of the film. Whereas this kind of just played it played out at the end, but, um, they summed up a lot of stuff in the, in the last scene, you know, um, both had lost something. Um, and both were, um, you know, willing to make it right in their own way, you know, like I'm going to give you peace and maybe I'll give you peace too. And, and, um, you know, I like, I, I kind of like how it's ambiguous that way because now they're both kind of living in fear of each other where, you never know. Maybe one day someone's going to knock at your door and it's going to be me. Um, that kind of g- 
gets me a little bit excited to, to, to think like it could happen, you know, like this, this kind of, this film lives on now, you know? So that's what I thought of the ending. Tim, any thoughts? No, I mean, I didn't really, I don't think I had strong feelings on it either. I mean, I, I, I like the ending. I didn't, it just felt a bit unnecessary, but I, I mean, sometimes okay, okay with summing things up. I mean, yeah, yeah. Where have we come? How far have we come since the hour and forty minutes we started this journey? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Lance, you just pointed out uh, one piece of dialogue that I did absolutely love, and it was Chris Pine describing uh, poverty as a sickness. Yeah, poverty I is a sickness. Yeah. Absolutely loved that. I thought that was a really interesting way to describe that problem, and him saying that. It follows you from generation to generation, and people almost. Uh, in the he didn't actually outright say it, but he seemed to basically imply that people like just go with it; they don't take steps to change it. And I, I think that that's really interesting that he took these really insane, dramatic steps to to course correct that for his kids, for a future generation, and breaking that that cycle. I really, really love that descriptor, and I also uh, I like the idea that. It was a little a little blunt, like we've been saying, but uh, with uh, what was what was Jeff Bridges' partner's name? Al uh, Alberto. Alberto. Yeah. Alberto. Alberto. <laughs> Alberto. He uh, he describes it all pretty pretty bluntly. We're just talking about a hundred. He says 150 years ago, this was all my ancestors' land, and he's like, and now you know it, these people took it, and now it's being taken from them. And while it's very overt, I think it's a, it's something that a lot of people probably haven't really thought about in terms of. In in those numbers, in that scale, that's such a small amount of time for things to change so quickly. And in another 150, it could change just as quickly for the people that currently have it, and which is kind of what he's pointing out to Jeff Bridges. And watching Jeff Bridges try to process this information and decide how he feels about it or whether to just disregard it entirely uh, is really interesting. And I think that it's kind of like, you know, you see the posts on Facebook and stuff from like science pages where they talk about both the lifespan of humanity and the scheme of, of, you know, it's a few seconds on the last day of the calendar. Right. Yeah. Of the solar system and, and of all of creation. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think people don't often enough take time to really think about things in that perspective. And when you think about even our, how, how young our country is, how young America really is Mm -hmm. and how young, even like an independent Texas really is. And, you know, every I think Americans, middle class and, and upper class Americans are so, so comfortable with the status quo of like learning in the history books. This is where we were and here is where you are because of where we were. But they don't necessarily have to think about that where you might wind up could be closer to where you were and might not be where you are if if that can be followed. <laughs> so I think that the movie does a good job of raising that question and kind of bringing that idea to the forefront because Jeff Bridges is so concerned about just catching this bad guy. He's not thinking about maybe the bigger problem and Gil or what's his name? Alberto. Yeah. <laughs> the actor's name is Gil. Gil Birmingham. Okay. Um, he even, t- I like that. He kind of takes that aside and goes, yeah, those guys, the bank's fault. And like, he's doing his job, but at least he's these, these problems are more in the forefront of his mind because of his racial background and, he just is more aware of that these are these are the other things in the world too, and uh, while we do need you know these single-minded lawmen that Jeff Bridges is and represents, it's uh, it's just interesting watching that kind of subject come up and kind of circle around for that one scene and then just kind of see. But part of that to me felt forced in the sense that that topic coming up while it's like 
they have no idea why these robbers are doing what they're doing. But yet it just so happens that that conversation occurs that way. Uh, it feels a bit... Um, I mean, I think I think it's pretty natural within the scene, though, because they're describing how Jeff Bridges is like there. There's nothing in this town, and how 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 does how does a town like that even? Or no, I'm sorry, Alberto's doing. He's saying how does a town like somebody live there? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But so then I think it kind of spins into a larger conversation. I'm not saying it's not forced. I think it's it's one of the themes that I was describing right at the beginning of this review that I think is interesting, and it's just not it's not built upon and it's not built upon or it's not really introduced in a way that feels very natural it's not what the movie's about yeah and it's an interesting footnote in the movie and maybe i mean lance lance thinks it is this larger theme of things being taken and i i really like that i think that's that's a, a really interesting read i think it could have the movie could have been the movie could be about that but i think the movie's about chris pine robbing banks so his kids aren't poor mm. yeah um and being handsome <laughs> so handsome even the stash yeah i really would love to see this movie with colin farrell and john c Riley in those two lead roles <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took me a few minutes to get through the ben foster was medieve in, in, uh, <laughs> in, Warcraft, in Warcraft. earlier uh, this year i thought ben foster's i don't even want to say sacrifice but in a way it is was was really interesting yeah i thought it was I guess I'm a little conflicted on how I felt about it because in a way it's just being a psychopath. And on the other hand, it was he, I think he kind of took responsibility for him screwing up the plan. It was his idea to accelerate things. And he did that out of love because he was like, we're not going to, we're not going to have enough or we're, you know, we're wasting our time. And he made a judgment call. And then he realized that he blew it by a insisting they go on such a big target and be killing people. Uh, and then the fact that he just kind of like, I don't want to say soldiered up, but, but did, and was like, all right, I'm going to lead them on a wild goose chase while you get away. And I mean, I think probably like any Texas youth, he probably grew up with John Wayne and, and them as his icon. and was like, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Kind of yeah. like Jeff Bridges said he wanted to when they were in the car. And, uh, so I think that that it wasn't necessarily the most noble sacrifice he didn't do it purely for his pride i think he did it because he thought like like jeff bridges said because he liked it because he thought it was cool but i thought that was interesting that he just kind of right away was like yep well i'm gonna go do this yeah i i felt that it was a lot like out of that love that he had for his brother because it mm-hmm. it felt very much like the we know that these were two boys that grew up under the heavy-handed father that you know beat beat certain ideas into them basically and some of it felt like Ben Foster was just kind of like, well, I've already ruined my life. You know, I might as well save my nephews and, and help them have a better life. That's true. Graduate out of the poverty that they're in, that kind of thing. So like to, that to me, I think I think I felt OK about it. I don't I mean. I would have respected him more if he didn't try to kill anybody, but or did kill. <laughs> quite a few people no i i think like mainly i just would have felt it like if he would have realized i'm not getting out of this and didn't bother to like take other life with him i don't know that would have been a but it would have been out of character for him and it would have been you know yeah it would have not really meant anything in the end 
But, um, but no, I don't know. So the uh, what is you know the thing he said up top of the mountain, he said Comanche, which um, was an earlier scene where the guy at the casino was like, you know what Comanche means? It means enemy. And then Ben Foster like very defiantly stands up and he's like, you know what that makes me? Comanche, you know. <laughs> and so this this kind of this word and that it means enemy. It's um enemies with everyone. Enemies with everyone. Said, That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, well, when he was on the mountain, he said Lord of the Plain. That's what it was. Yeah. He, he said that throughout that. the movie. I thought that was Lord really of funny. the Plain, so that he yeah he feels this kind of. Uh, I kind of really hated the scene where he stood up against the Comanche. Oh, you didn't like it? I I hated it. Oh I, man, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. You, and, the, and there's so many things. If and you know I, you know I spoiler alert. I always go on Wikipedia after I watch a film. And I read the plot summary. You won't find that scene in the plot summary. Yeah. But it's part of the movie. And it's kind of cool that... It, that okay, you didn't like it. Sorry. I, no, I think, <laughs> I think the moment in the end is good. The fact that it like builds upon that moment. But the fact that he like uses it to get out of a conflict with this, mm-hmm. with this Native American guy, mm-hmm. I, it just felt so like... Who the fuck are you to be like, I'm a Comanche too? Like, n- no. <laughs> No, <laughs> I liked it quite a bit. <laughs> well, I thought it was a. That's not right. That's not the answer I expect. That's not how I expected that scene to go down. That was one of the few times where I was kind of like, either these guys are about to throw down in the middle of the casino, or one of them is going to try to kill the other one later. <laughs> I I didn't expect it because I felt that that was really unrealistic of that situation. I think that I think he would have been beaten down anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He might have fought back really well and ended up okay out of it in the end. No, but. I don't think so. I don't think. I think if two guys beef for a half second in the casino, you've got to you've got to really, really, really want to have a bad day if you're going to pick a fight on a casino floor. That's yeah, that's sure. not going to go well for anybody. And plus, I thought it was interesting because he he lost, and that guy still chose to like kind of like goad him into be a tough guy it. on yeah. him. Yeah, because he what he said was was obviously not right at the table. Calling and, him chief. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I. I I don't know. I kind of thought it was interesting. But I, I just, I liked how bizarre that character was. Yeah. I read a really hilarious topic on Reddit or on a comment thread on Reddit where somebody was like, do any of you guys think that Ben Foster might have been ex-military? And there were all these really hilarious comments with people just describing all the very obvious clues that he was ex-military and, and like like it was groundbreaking analysis <laughs> of this movie. It was really funny. <laughs> All these people are like, well, you know, I saw a Don't Tread on Me flag in his trailer. He must have been in the Marines. And then the one way guy, he handles the gun. Yeah, they, yeah. and there's, there's some other stuff in there, too. But the one guy replied, and he was like, yeah, there's a lot of those flags in Texas. I wouldn't read too far into that. It was really, it was really funny. Somebody in one of the Reddit threads commented on Jeff Bridges' mini performance after shooting Ben Foster. Yes, yes. And how... He gets that like relief of like, oh God, I've done it, and then kind of realizes it's either he realizes that he's also taken a life, or it's also he's finally processing that uh, Alberto died. Right, and and I think that was a really beautiful part of that performance. That was probably that was probably the yeah. best moment of acting in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah, that was really really awesome because even in the audience, I felt that elation that he felt for a yep. second when he like slaps the guy with him yeah. like he's all excited and they kind of laugh and then there's that weird cry comes out of him then and i remember they immediately my heartstrings pulled and i was like oh shit that's right like yep. i think this is actually really bad yeah <laughs> and uh you know that was that was great that was yeah. phenomenal absolutely bridges was was really strong throughout mm-hmm. 
And I see, I think that again, he was so, so good, but I didn't feel like I had as much of a handle on him as I did like Tommy Lee Jones in no country. Yeah. Like I could have, I could have understood this guy a little more, I think. And I, they they didn't really show you how much like they, they show you that he's dedicated to his job, but they don't really show you that him retiring means the end of his life. They just take that as you're going to understand that this man has nothing after this. His wife is dead because we get that one piece of dialogue about how she's gone. And, but but there's no like showing the fact that we don't get the scene where he goes back after work and sits down in his house and just waits for the next day to come, which I think would have added that little bit of yes, he's yeah, even just one more minute to the runtime of this movie showing showing him doing the because they his showed him, they showed him sitting on the porch and they showed him on his couch with his bloodhound like watching football and I was like this doesn't seem like such a bad day yeah <laughs> what's the problem here. They do yeah. imply that some, and some, even that's some the end of the movie. Yeah, like, they imply that some significant time has passed, and there's already been this is somewhat investigation, and these oil wells have been installed, and that sort of thing. And Chris Pine's working on this house, and, he's and got there, all these there's crops no part, and, there's no part of the story that leads back to Chris Pine either. Is kind of the so so I guess that's the one thing that I was thinking is like, what if the ending of this movie wasn't so much that it ended in that standoff, but it was more. We get the hint where Jeff Bridges make makes a connection of like, this is what we can get him on, and then the movie's done. Hmm. What yeah. would you think about that? I don't know. I because I feel like that at least <laughs> I say I, I I was about to say that at least feels different from the No Country. It feels different from the just the standoff that we've gotten in movies of like uh, you were like that. Uh, I guess Sicario. I guess is kind of a. Uh, a little bit of a, I could come back and reappear in your life at any minute, mm-hmm. but then, but then, him figuring like the 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 ending that I'm thinking of is like almost uh, it's a spoiler and I don't want to talk about it. Never mind, never mind. But there's there's a movie where it's basically just like that inch of like oh he might figure it out he might make the connection that will allow them to bring Chris Pine in. I feel like that would at least. I would have been like, oh, man, I want to see what's going to happen next. But the movie doesn't give it to me. Because I think the reason it, it doesn't sit well with me is because bringing Chris Pine in doesn't matter. From what I understand from the plot of the movie, that money and that property is untouchable. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Like it, all that. The worst thing that happens is Chris Pine goes to prison and and he doesn't really seem to be that bothered by that idea. You know what I mean? Like there's. There's, he, there's not a lot at stake. Well, yeah, but, he lets but his it, wife and uh, ex-wife and kids live there, and it's it's almost like he's getting shit on. Like Chris Pine is like, but he's cool with it. He seems yeah. like he's doing a penance type thing. I like think, yeah, but I think, yeah, like I feel like it would drive home a little bit more that like selfless. Like I did this for my for my family, my family who who has left me anyway. Like I I feel like that would kind of like him him. The idea that he would be paying for his crime in the sense of rotting in a jail cell, I think would at least kind of tell me, okay, there's a world where the criminal gets caught, but the people that he did it for live on. I don't know. I don't know. No sense in talking about the ending that the movie doesn't have, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But any other thoughts on Spoiler Terry? We're, We're running long here. Nope. I'm glad you liked it so much, Lance. I did. I really. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. The 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 summer being 
kind of crummy helped out, <laughs> helped boost it a little bit. Yeah. But it is still very uh, and th- and solid. I, I didn't mean that as like a slight to the movie. Like the yeah. movie doesn't necessarily deserve the praise that it's getting. But mm-hmm. I feel like people's enjoyment. Of, like if you if you eat a bunch of McDonald's every day mm-hmm. and then you go to like you get a prime rib somewhere, you're going to love that prime rib. Right. You know. Right. True. So. Yeah. It's um for me, I just I don't know. I just like uh, it's like um. I like westerns, I guess. I just like westerns and um, gritty kind of films, crime films, um, and the performances were really good. It's been yeah. a nice comeback of those the last couple of years. I yeah. Kind of lower, but... Oh, I agree 100%. Like I, yeah. I, I like all those things, too, and I think the reason that I, I'm critiquing the nitty-gritty is just a, a sign that it is a good movie. And I'm just, I, I'm just, Pretty much everything I've said is just lamenting that it wasn't a little bit better, but I'm not saying that it was bad. I think it could have been... You know, top five of the year for me, potentially, but yeah. Oh well. All right. Well, feedback midwestfilmnerds.com. What the, the, the last thing I want to say? The part of the movie when they say the words "hell or hell or high water" and you like reacted so big <laughs> in the theater, you like waved your arms yeah. like yeah, at the, the screen, like the, oh, uh, there it is, real estate guy. Did you start counting money? That was really hysterical. What? I thought you said. I thought yeah, you like. No, I was. I was. Cla- I was oh, like I fake clapping money. my hands. There's the money. Because yeah, I think yeah. there's a. Uh, I think there's Penn and Teller. I think do showings of movies where the title is said in the movie. I think I've seen that. Yeah, and they, and they, <laughs> they, yeah. they make sure that everybody claps when the title is said as okay. like a. Yes, that's the moment we wanted. <laughs> that's why they called it that. So I, every time, every time I feel like that happens, I feel the need to like be like, oh, like have a big reaction out. <laughs> that was super funny. <laughs> I, I like that. And it's Herc too, isn't it? From Friday Night Lights, is that it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's. I did want to say Kevin Rankin, who's been in Breaking Bad and Friday Night Lights, has a, has a small part in this movie, and it's it's quite. Well, good. Peter Berg is honest producer, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. So. I had awesome. to look up what hell or high water means too. The definition it doesn't mean like what you think it means. It just means something very difficult. Yeah, it's a, well, yeah. well, it means the the like legal meaning of it. It ends up in a lot of contracts in the sense of you need to make payments, hell or high water. Like no matter what happens, we don't care what hardships you endure. You yeah. need to continue to pay this mm-hmm. auto loan or mortgage or whatever. But the kind of colloquial not colloquial but just kind of the everyday meaning of is, is like you will go to extremes to accomplish mm-hmm. something right yeah but yeah that kinda was works just kind of works in both ways yeah too. absolutely good title feedback at midwestfilmers.com let us know what you think the show and the things that we talk about we're also at mfn podcast on instagram and twitter midwestfilmers.com has all previous 194 plus bonus episodes with full show notes uh and you can skip over the spoiler and things that you don't want to hear or see or hear not see. Uh, there's also a support store on MidwestFilmNerds.com. You can buy Midwest Film Nerds and Game Nerds apparel as well as donate to the network. And we can make our show and network even better. And uh, yeah, next week, uh, there's not a whole lot coming out. Sully's coming out, but we kind of are going to figure out what we want to talk about. So cool. Yeah, we'll uh, keep an eye on the Facebook and we'll let you know. Kyle XY, go watch a movie.